welcome to the Origin Praxis Podcast. I am Rob Tini, and I'm joined by James O'Farren. Hello. And we are also joined by Kate Rodriguez. Hi. And Katura Lem. And they are joining us because we are going to do a second podcast on the banquet and ball. Because we just finished yes. it up last this morning, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very early this morning. <laughs> and it was amazing again. And we As thought always. it would be really good and encouraging to have some new perspectives and some new angles on it. And just, it's just a really great experience. So, Katora, do you want to just introduce yourself? Uh, brief how did, intro. How did you get here? <laughs> yes. Uh, Who is this Katura? <laughs> what, what is the origin story for Katura? <laughs> well, that's quite an exciting and complicated story and somewhat mysterious in some people's opinion, <laughs> including mine, perhaps. Uh, my name is Katura Lamb, and I've been Facebook friends with James for a little bit. We can't quite remember how that began, but. We're still trying to puzzle that part out. Yes. We just kind of happened upon each other in some way as things happen on the internet through some geek meme group or perhaps a writing group i think it must have been writing somehow i think so but yes so i saw a link that he had was creating a podcast and during that time i had i was into listening to small podcasts and thought i should add his to the list of podcasts to listen and as I was going through the episodes one day, just listening to lots and lots of them, I stumbled across one about a banquet and a ball, and it just sounded super fascinating for various reasons. First of all, they talked a lot about honor, and that had been a subject I'd been super intrigued with at the time. I was reading through some of Brandon Sanderson's books, and honor was a topic that is brought up a lot, especially in the Stormlight Archive, honor and hope. And I had just been puzzling back and forth about how honor seemed very much like of a masculine virtue and hope a feminine virtue and how those things come together and build something quite beautiful. And so I was just very fascinated with the topic at the time. And so here they were talking about this banquet and ball. And they weren't really talking so much about the dance as they were about honor and dueling, dueling with real swords. Well, and that's the part that gets us most excited, I think. Yeah, that's the, that's the part that got me excited. And I don't get to see it. But when I heard that guys were dueling with real swords, I thought this must be a great event if guys are willing to come and do that. Because who knows? My brothers would do that, but I don't know very many guys. Actually, I do know quite a few guys. But those are the great guys. I, I just think it, it said something. And so that fact that there were guys dueling with real swords and having fun with it mm. made me think, think, oh, this, I need to go to this place. Even if you did, even if you weren't going to be doing the dueling. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to necessarily see it. I just it just raises be, the bar. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be around those type of people. Mm. Yeah. People with swords. Yeah. Good people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. True. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so I messaged James and I was like, okay, how can I get invited to this ball? And I fell out of my chair. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> we were our initial kind of impetus for that was because we like talking about stuff in general and just really <laughs> why we have a podcast to kind of share the random crazy conversations we have. And that particular podcast was like I was just I wanted to process it mm-hmm. in a particular way. So it was in a sense more for us yes. than for anyone else. And then I was like, well, this would also be cool for the community. Right. 
So it was also for the banquet and ball community for the syndicate and people here in Yakima and they loved it and they're really appreciative of the stories that we brought in and really glad we got to be able to bring Dan in on that. And so there was, it was kind of, it wasn't designed for marketing, <laughs> but evidently it worked for that. Yeah. It, it hooked me and I'm not someone who likes marketing like that. I That's probably why it works. <laughs> no, it was grand. It was grand. So he said, yeah, um, I can invite you to this thing. So we talked about it. Um, I was told that... What was that? Another victim. Yeah. He's like, gotta bring a guy along. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. Because at that plant, at that time, I was um, planning to bring uh, my wife. Yeah. So. so I was thinking about whether or not I would want to invite a guy. So I was going back and forth just with my different options. And uh, I told some different friends. And uh, But you don't, normally the conversations would end midway. Because we would get distracted with other parts of the conversation. That never happens to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I just would never pursue it for different reasons. Because I, like, I was fascinated with this idea. But I also had a lot of other things going on. So I wasn't prioritizing it. But then when James was like, hey, my wife says that you can team up with me. And we can go together. I was like, why not? Why not? I can still do these million other things. And then put that off in the future and make sure it happens. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened. I forgot about it. I went on this grand adventure. I haphazardly, accidentally stumbled upon a dress. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the story of the dress. Yes. So I was in a little thrift store in West Virginia. Uh, the most darling town you'll ever come across called Shepherdstown. Nice name for a darling town. Yes. It was lovely. I could tell you so many good stories about that town, but we're talking about the dress. <laughs> so I went to this little town, um, this little Goodwill with my friend. And there was this dress hanging up. We were just kind of giggling back and forth between the dresses. Two conservative girls in full, beautiful skirts. <laughs> long, flowing hair. Barefoot. I was. She was wearing shoes and kind of hoping no one was noticing my bare feet. <laughs> and I said, look at this dress. Isn't this the ugliest thing you've ever seen? And my friend Kabaya, she's like, uh, Katura, go put that on. I was like, no, you put it on. She's like, no. You, seriously, you got to try this on. It will look lovely on you. So I put it on, and both of us, with our eyes, were, like, seeing what can be made once you have something on, and, like, sewing eyes, I call them. She was, we both were like, wow, this dress is actually perfect. She wanted to try it on then, but we both decided that it would fit me once it was altered perfectly. And so I bought it. I paid $12 for this beautiful, long, green dress with little tiny polka dots. It has some stories, like, there was a lot of, like, brave moments put into that dress, to be honest. It was um, my first time wearing something sleeveless. Hmm. And I had been on a process for, like, the last year and a half of becoming more fully myself and embracing that, which, um, for me, meant no shaving anymore. <laughs> and so it was my first time wearing sleeveless and the first time just kind of being, like, brazen in that. And Kabai and I was like, yeah, this is the perfect dress to do it in. Hmm. And so it was kind of, it was an exciting moment. And then I put it in a bag and forgot about it. <laughs> and then a week later, a week before the ball, I got it back out of the bag. I had a few free evenings and I altered it up, took up the straps, took up the hem. So it was just barely touching the floor now instead of dragging on the floor. Uh, took up the side so that way it actually fitted me and wasn't baggy anywhere. Just made it look like it was a tailored dress. <laughs> And it was perfect. And I was, uh, you, you mentioned the first, like, the, the color seemed ugly, but then 
it suited you tremendously. There's, I find that mm-hmm. fascinating because mm-hmm. I, I, I completely agree. It was a beautiful dress. Yeah. And it yeah, absolutely right. did suit you. I, mm-hmm. I, I partic- I'm a fan of green, if nobody has noticed that. I love green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I particularly love that particular kind of green. And it definitely did suit you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool about, I love the sewing eyes part where you look into something and you see beauty in it as mm-hmm. a potential. See the potential, yeah. 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 And that's, that's a really awesome beginning to Banquet and Ball. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what so much of Banquet and Ball is about. Yeah. Is finding and seeing that beauty and then making it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Also, where do you live, Katura? And how far do you have to travel? Oh, right, yes. Well, this <laughs> is just next door. <laughs> yes, yes. So I live in Montana. <laughs> and I think this part was kind of freaking James out a bit because he was like, so how are you planning on coming um, by driving? He's like, do you know how far it is? I'm like, no. So I look it up. And I was like, oh, it's only nine hours. And of course, if you live out in the West, when you s- nine hours doesn't mean that much in the no. summertime because like everything is what, 13 hours apart anyways. Right. <laughs> but we also have tons of passes that are yeah. ice caked so bad you're going 35 miles an hour so a nine hour drive in reality could turn into like 16 18 hours of driving <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah. he was like okay are you and, gonna actually make it and we had just because carl and i had just moved from washington to fargo north dakota through all of those passes so i driven through all those places i'm like yeah. and we did that <laughs> in may yeah <laughs> this is gonna be in december <laughs> I was slightly worried for you. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. And then he's like, and where are you planning to stay? Like, this is two weeks before the ball. I said, oh, I haven't figured that out yet. That <laughs> <laughs> <Bed> ball. <Yes. laughs> I did um, I did some searching around on couch surfing, and I had some backup plans. But last minute, one of the women involved with Banquet and Ball reached out to me and was like, if you need a place to stay, you can stay with me. And I was like, that would be lovely. <laughs> so it all worked out. Very little planning, very little going into it. Um, I might have helped a few people to precipitate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely had people helping me out and looking out for my lack of planning. Uh, but it was it was grand. I got everything done I had through my life uh, going on at that moment and was able to go into it with a free open um just free openness. I didn't have anything holding me back at the moment. All my work was taken care of. Got all of my responsibilities taken care of and just started driving forward. Mm. I was in the moment I was most excited for my midway stop to visit a good <laughs> friend I hadn't seen in months. And it seems like you tend to focus on what's right in front of you. I try to. Yes. <laughs> I try to. Yes. I definitely try to. Yeah, so I had a lovely time visiting some friends. And I made some plans. <laughs> the funny thing, I didn't plan for the ball, but I made some plans for right after the ball to go shopping with some friends in Spokane, which I'll be doing Monday. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so then the ball came. Mm. For reference, the ball is in Yakima, Washington. Yes. In Nine hours. We hadn't which is that just before. to the east of the Cascades. Yes. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty central. Yep. Yep. A very nice little town that I could not pronounce for the first few months of telling people, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to this dance in Yakima. Or how did I say it, though? Yeah, yeah. Yakima. 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 That's uh, the, usual, uh, the usual error people make. Yes. That's awesome. And finally, I was corrected. I was like, oh, okay. Yakima. <laughs> yep. This is normal yes. for Washingtonians. Yeah. <laughs> Piaf. <It was> <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, you were on your way here and you stopped at your friends. Yes, I stopped at my friends and then I told them about it and they were excited about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should have invited these guys. And then I started thinking about it, like, I'm going to this ball and I didn't hardly tell anybody about it. I forgot to even tell my dad until I was like two hours into the drive. I'm on my way to Washington. And he's like, what? The roads are really bad right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love how his first reaction is, isn't, wait, you're driving to Washington. It's like, oh, watch out for the passes, honey. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, this is kind of normal. She just randomly drives off across the country. It'll be fine. As long as she doesn't fall off their passes, it'll be good. (laughs) It speaks. It speaks very much of your character. I, yes. I, I approve. Yes. yes. So I told him, and he was like, "Okay, just like, let me know like when you get there tonight." Because that one pass in Idaho, he said it was really bad. I was like, "Really? I thought the worst pass would be Butte." He's like, "No, that's not the worst pass." I was like, "Okay," and he was right. Like the pass I thought would be the worst was a ten minute pass, maybe twenty minutes, but the the worst pass was like an hour and a half. It was, wow. Yeah, a lot bad. Worse. Wow. More. But yeah. So I got to my friend's place. We had a lovely time. I was a little bit sad I hadn't invited her and all of her brothers because they're grand dancers. They know what they're yeah. doing. They know their mm. stuff. And they're gentlemen, and she's she's fun. They're all they're, they're a really great family. They so would... next year, Futura is bringing a herd. Oh, yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I'm bringing, like, twice the amount, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it's going to be grand. Invasion. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And especially... Oh, welcome to one. I especially want to bring my friends who I who um are in need of marriage counseling. This would be the perfect that's that's my mm. main thought through it. The office. Mm. Routinely I'd be texting different ones of my friends who've been having problems, like, you just need to come to this dance. This will fix all of your guys' issues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now Kate's panicking. <laughs> may, may have oversold that just a little bit. <laughs> Well, no, I, I think there's something legitimate to that though. There is, because yes. so much of the banquet and ball is that you get out of it what you bring to it. Mm-hmm. And you rise to the level of your expectations in so many ways. Mm-hmm. When, when people put an expectation on you, like here's how we expect you behavior you are now responsible for what you do with that expectation yeah. mm-hmm. that's a huge part of it and it transforms every minute exchange mm-hmm. the collaboration the planning the leadership every step becomes more significant and more intentional and has so much more potency in life because of that attitude and so if you bring people say hey come here with the expectation of resolving marital issues, and they come looking through that lens, mm-hmm. and with the kind of introduction that we have with the bank and ball, and they say, okay, this is not something that they're gonna fix for me. I'm going to go through something, I'm going to do things, and I'm going to experience things that will change me in a way that will improve not mm-hmm. just a marriage, but every area of my life. Mm-hmm. That could very well heal many marriages. Yeah. yeah, that is true. I really do think it could. I mean, I feel like this is, marriage counseling 101 you know so which i find fascinating because one of the things that cropped up a lot for me through this particular banquet and ball uh in particular during the dance itself was the theme of the bride of christ and being us as the church being unified as the body of christ and how we are re-manifesting his revelation of himself as the ultimate source of all that is truly good truly true and truly beautiful Mm. and how 
all the things that we see as you know marital relationships and friendships and these things are the shadows the pictures of the truly real thing of being made one with god yeah. mm-hmm. through that and so we look we, li- we like to analogize the other way around where well you know the church is like the bride is, is the bride of christ because that's like marriage like well no 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 that's the real right. thing we are really the body of christ and marriage is a picture of that mm-hmm. right marriage is the metaphor right the yeah. church is yes. the real thing yes and, and that's actually how, kind of how paul phrases it that's exactly passage. how he phrases He's like it. i'm speaking of a mystery but i'm speaking concerning christ and his church he's talking about yeah so it's like he's saying, okay, these the parts of Christ and his church apply to the man and his wife. And this yes. is how you the shadow is supposed to look like the real thing. So yes. I'm actually talking about the real thing here, but I'm analogizing and explaining how the outline looks similar to it. Right. Yeah. And so you have this relationship of the masculine and the feminine all through it. Like a, a, it's not a deconstruction. It's a reconstruction of how things ought to be. Yes. yes. Right. Uh, a re-energizing uh, and revivifying of the beauty of the genders and the sexes and their interactions with each other. And that is at the core of what a lot of marital challenges come down to. Mm-hmm. And so, in a sense, if we, in getting ourselves in our relationship with God right, by be- re-becoming his bride, then that can heal the underlying issues that lead to fallout in marital mm-hmm. conflicts yeah. at the source. Yeah. Even if you don't actually do marital counseling, mm-hmm. that the actual thing could evolve. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. In addition to that, we have specific talks on things that are so applicable. To oh my goodness! Yes. yes. Yeah. There's communication. <laughs> yeah. Communication. Honor. Honor. <laughs> Yes. Listening. Responsibility. <laughs> yes. Etiquette. <laughs> Even conversation. Yes. Yeah. That was huge for me when they told us, woman, you are the leaders of conversation. <laughs> that was like, oh, so. I mentioned that to Kayla. You should have seen how excited she got when I mentioned that to her. Uh-huh. That historically, that's what that was. Yeah. It made me excited. <laughs> it made me feel like validated in some way for having all these words inside me and thinking, oh, I've got to keep them quiet. Well, God equips us for, for what he calls us to. Exactly. I mean, I'm a really oddball that I yes. talk more than my wife. Uh-huh. Right. We are interestingly gender flipped there. <laughs> but in the normal situation is that girls talk sometimes like 10 times as much as their other husbands. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. You just got to adjust and work with that. Yeah. But that's the gifting that they have. Mm-hmm. So telling them to be quiet is really kind of stupid. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even more than that though, because being a leader in conversation doesn't necessarily mean that we have to talk nonstop. Exactly. Because like, yes. even like you were saying with listening Yes. and being a good leader in conversation is getting that conversation going so the other person can talk. And the true word. person who's leading conversation is the one who's asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes. Because he's pointing the conversation mm-hmm. where right. you want the conversation right. to go towards. Yeah. Yes. It just blew my mind away. That was an excellent sh- session, okay. by the way, James. I'm glad to hear that. I, For I, those I, who need to, you, if you want to learn more about conversation, James has an entire business about this. Yep. <laughs> I did not pay him to advertise that. <laughs> not a paid advertiser sponsored by the LLC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, I was, um, from my own experience, part of my goal 
in participating in Bank Mimbalo is to bring more to it in order to learn more from it, mm, right? Yes. And, and I was thinking about that after last banquet ball, like, what can I bring more to it this next year? I'm like, well, the first thing I came was like, well, I want to participate in leadership of it because that's mm-hmm. how I learn how it is run mm-hmm. is by participating in it. Uh, you learn best by teaching. And so I want to be involved in that part of it. And so I did. And so I did the presentation on communication because that's not like, well, okay, if I'm going to be participating, what is this particular... I mean, yeah, I can you know, move chairs and that kind of, we all, we all do that. Mm-hmm. But what are the specific skill sets that I've been given that I can contribute to help move this further along the path that they're going? Like, well, I'm a communications expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and communication and conversation is really freaking important, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly in context like the Bank of Nepal. Yes. And so I designed exercises and a presentation built around that and... I got really good responses from it that I am tremendously blessed Mm. that uh, God gave me the grace to touch people and help them to be able to communicate in ways that they thought they hadn't been able to before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tremendous success, I believe. Yes. The entire ball was a tremendous success. Oh, my goodness, yes. This year was... Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It was was so good. So good. Mm. There was a lot of different pieces. I uh, I I want to talk about something. I might talk about some of the changes to how we did the dueling. Yeah, we, we, we can talk about that because Sky was talking about that earlier. Yeah, we, get, we, we get can bring, bring that in when we come back to your side. But continue on about some of your thoughts about your experience with the ball. Like, continue to the story. I had a question. Go ahead. So, we basically, you, you were visiting with your friends. Mm-hmm. And then you leave from there. You come here. You went to where you were staying. Mm-hmm. Dropped off. Took a quick shower. Took a quick shower. Came to the orientation. Now, what well, she actually came to the uh, coffee, coffee coffee thing first and hung out with us. You're right. She oh, came nice. to the coffee yeah. and she hung out with us and Cora, who was on the podcast before. Yes, we all hung out for a few, like an hour or two, like an hour, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. And hung out at a coffee shop, and then we went to the orientation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, my question is, what's like the fir- what was the first thing that really stood out to you yeah. about? the whole event what was like the mm-hmm. first thing that like stuck out mm-hmm. good question. Mm-hmm. it's a really good question because the first night i was just tired and i messaged my friend i was like i wish i stayed with you i'm so like i'm so sad that we couldn't get to spend much time together and mm-hmm. here i had to be all the way in yakima that this dance is gonna <laughs> last forever <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but so like i was kind of saying this i was just really tired and Feeling like I needed a shower, you know, which I got, mm-hmm. got, but then I also was hanging out with a bunch of people I hardly knew, mm-hmm. which I'm an extrovert kind of, but I'm starting to get more introverted in my extrovertism. Just the more I hang out with people, the top. doesn't that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ambiversion is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a lovely little time because I miscalculated the time for orientation, mm. and that so I was an hour early, All and right. I sat in my car and I read a lovely chapter from this book I've been reading called The Growth of the Soil. It was a beautiful hmm. chapter. And so that kind of got me ready to go into the orientation. And then I went in and I heard Bethany's speech and Jesse's speech and things that they both said kind of stood out to me like, oh, okay, they're pretty good speakers. This is... It was like I was going to church. Mm. But then afterwards, mm. it was like I actually went to church because here I heard good words like I hear all the time. And then I saw the actions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Okay. And I can, I'll give you guys like two specific examples good, in, a, in a moment. But just like, 
different things that Bethany and Jesse said to me just like really hit me and like pulled me into them. I'm kind of an anarchist at heart. And so when Bethany was like, it's meaningful you guys are here, especially since I know you all most likely broke quite a few laws in order to be here. I love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fit you fit in with this yeah. crowd. <laughs> and then Jesse, just like the way he was like talking and just gathering everyone in. Mm-hmm. And the way he brought up your sister, I don't know, just kind of like I just felt connected. Yeah. yeah. And I for some reason I felt connected to the sister, probably because we should like share a name, Abigail. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't know, just that like that was significant to me. Yeah. I don't know, I just kind of like felt connected to her somehow and that kind of just brought me into the moment and then two the next two things that just really made it feel like oh yes I'm glad to be here was first something that you said (laughs) and then something happened during a dance but first what you said took us all back there and you were showing us like steps and things and you're like everyone put your right foot forward because you know women are always right you know, people kind of giggle because, like, one of those jokes. And I was like, that joke again. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, a cringe feminist joke. And then you're like, actually, we're not. <laughs> I was like, lovely. I love her. She's so wonderful. Yep, we are so not right on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, great. She just, I don't know. When you said that, I was just like, okay, she's got it. And then, like, a moment later, your husband came in. It weren't quite done, but yet you followed him right out. And you're just like, okay, we don't need to, like, finish what we're doing. He's ready for us. Let's go out. And in that moment, I was super impressed with you. And I was like, okay, here's here's that honor worked out and put into action. <laughs> Thank you. That just, like, super impressed me. I, I, I will say uh, I have been tremendously inspired by both Kate and Mario in their marriages. They're yeah. a really good example. It was, yeah, your guys' marriage and then also Bethany's and Louise, who I was staying with, mm-hmm. their marriage I was just like, you guys are the two reasons why I would say come here for marriage counseling. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it was, and then also something that um, oh, what's her name? Kayla said mm-hmm. in that moment. Oh. She was like, uh, guys, to be a good follower doesn't mean we gotta predict and guess what the guys are gonna do. It just means that we just go along with it. And mm. I'm not really when I'm applying all these things. I'm not really applying it to the dance. I'm applying it to my outside life in general. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's the point. Just how I do it. <laughs> and that just like kind of hit me. I was like, oh, I just need to stop guessing and stop predicting and just have fun and be happy. <laughs> like, wow, that's so freeing. It really is. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then weird. we were dancing and I can't remember who I was dancing with because that first night was just a bunch of faces, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, we were dancing and my hair was down and mm. this has never happened to me before. But he, like he, he, caught his button on my hair oh and like you know like you pull back and then your head scalp gets pulled off but like he can't like get his free and i was just like i was just starting to panic i wasn't sure what to do <laughs> here my hair is like attached to his sleeve and he's looked like he was about to panic too but all of a sudden he calmed down he calmed down first and he's like here let's just stop for a moment and he holds up his hand he's like just unwind it he's like don't take all the time you need and i just calm i was like oh yeah i don't need a rush i can just like unwind this and then like, we were back to dancing like three seconds. It took less time because we calmed down first and then untangled. Like it's such a uh, silly thing, and yet it really impressed me because like. Yes. Oh. He was wearing the tux. He was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He put on that mindset. Of clicks in the gear. Actually, and... real quick, just because that's a inside reference. Uh, yeah. Robbie, would you like to give a very, very, <laughs> very brief tux talk? So. <laughs> 
in context of when you do you yes. be in tux mindset without being in a tux. So <laughs> the during the banquet and ball, one of the speech one of the speeches that is always given is it's called the tux talk. It's about wearing the tux and to the, the men specifically. Right. Yeah. yeah, and the yeah. women have and, a similar ball gown talk. But right. Yeah. Continue. Right, but for the men specifically, it's the concept of wearing the tux, and we we reference it that way. It's about putting on the mindset of intentionality and the fact that everything we do is for a purpose. Nothing is by accident and we own every action that we make. So if my sleeve buttons get caught in her hair, (laughs) I did that on purpose. I own that I messed it up and now I'm going to intentionally fix it. And it's much about not focusing on the external reality, but dealing with the next step in front of you. Right. And we actually had a really cool, uh, like a pretty cool drill that we did on this uh, practice. Oh, yeah. It was after that, but it was about recentering and mm-hmm. being able to just be in the moment and absorb out external chaos effectively. Yeah, and, and mirror it, was, it back in a way that's productive and healing. Right. Mm. And it was very, it was a very interesting and... Very powerful. Thought, yes, very powerful exercise. Mm. Yeah. And Created some very deep connections. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a very good exercise specifically for the Tux Talk because so much of the mindset of the ball, in particular from the men's perspective, is... Setting out to do what is right, not necessarily what is expedient or yes. natural, yes. but what is right. And if something goes wrong, you say, ah, well, it this is what is, this and is therefore it is. it is meant to be. And, and so I am now have... given this right. to do something right with. And now this is the new plan. This is yes. how I make this that was yes. not my original intention. This is now part of my new plan. Yes. And you move on from it. And it's... Cool, because we we try they try to incorporate it in everything, yeah. including the way we walk across the dance floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noah used it driving there, and how he related with yellow and red lights. <laughs> ah, really? Yes, because he was in the we were driving. It's like you know we we're kind of crunched on time. We need to get the girls shuttled over. We need to do all these different things. But and just to remind us, like this, but you're wearing the tux and left it at that. Right. As as we were driving over, I was talking with Noah. We we're, were going back and forth about things. And there was a there's that you know that really annoying split second of when you're coming up and you're not sure when the light turns yellow and you're like, is it? Can I make can it? I can I make I it? Not? Can I can I yeah. not? You know, I like, get that split second indecision, and he I could see him like almost like okay I can make it, and then he something stopped and he says, no I'm wearing the tux and he stopped. It's like mm-hmm. you know I could have made that yes, but I didn't need to. I made mm-hmm. the choice not to. I made the choice not to panic. I made the choice to walk very slowly across the room Mm -hmm. to go fix that spilled planter. I made the choice. I made the choice to walk deliberately up to the drunk guy who had decided to park himself right in front of the doorway where all the ladies were about to show up. Oh my goodness! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Robbie was part of security. No surprise there. (laughs) I'll politely ask him to relocate to some other place. (laughs) Yeah, about deliberateness. And so that example that you have there is a beautiful illustration of what the results of that kind of a demeanor and practiced mindset can create. Mm -hmm. Because when 
one person calms himself and finds peace within himself, mm-hmm. it spreads. Mm-hmm. It grounds and brings peace to everyone around them. Yeah. Uh, Saint Seraphim of Serov uh, said, um, "Cultivate peace within yourself, and thousands around you will be saved." Mm, that's mm. beautiful. And that's a lot of what that is at its heart mm. and its core. Mm. Is as we transform ourselves, this affects those around us and brings mm. them closer to God wow. and to healing. Yeah, I really do feel that because I didn't, we hadn't had any of those talks at that point yet. Mm-hmm. And this is how I was like seeing the church of the banquet mm-hmm. worked out before I actually like, you know, heard much of the words. Mm-hmm. And I just like felt peace and I felt seen and valuable. Mm-hmm. It was like such a silly like little mm-hmm. Thing it's just like three seconds, my hair got tangled with a button, a sleeve button, and yeah, I was like, wow, yeah, I just felt mm-hmm. so much more like that in that moment. I felt rejuvenated and whole. Hmm. It yeah. was just so weird. It's amazing how the little things can become sacramental. There's no yeah, neutral ground. Everything is either you know going the way of you know transactional reductionist. Uh, I won't go into the whole speech on this, but but mm-hmm. uh, evil and destructive, chaotic. The magical transactions of sin and exchange for power and control and all of that or it's sacramental it's relational it's mm-hmm. bringing life and hope and joy and peace and beauty mm-hmm. it's one or the other yeah. it's going one direction or the other always there's no yeah. neutral ground in that mm-hmm. sense so everything from a snag button mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. to the last dance yes are places to uh heal and yeah. bring glory to god and one of my favorite things about living here in Yakima, I, I'm the only one here who actually lives in Yakima right, full right. time. <laughs> so yes, I'm yes. surrounded by those people and that mindset every day. Yeah. And to be fair, we're all imperfect, right? We're not always wearing the ball gun. We're not always wearing the tux. But just having that as our baseline and our commonality for our everyday interactions is so amazing. And mm-hmm. I'm so blessed that I, this is where I've essentially grown up so yeah. in my like adult life. I've Mm -hmm. grown up around these people and in this culture and in this environment. And it's Mm -hmm. so, so amazing. And every single person that I meet almost, I'm like, you need to come to Baker and Ball. You need to come to Baker and Ball. And finally, for the first time, somebody who I told to come to Baker and Ball this year actually came. Oh, really? (laughs) It was Justin. Oh, yes. And he was such uh, an excellent addition. He's such a wonderful person. He acquitted himself very well. Yes, I've been telling him for years he needs to come, but he never was able to make it. He was never able to make it until this year. So mm-hmm. I was so happy, finally. I am glad and that he you... loved it. He you did. Oh, my goodness. It. Yes. He, you could tell he blossomed. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 And then there's that little fear of, did I build it up too much inside <laughs> somebody's head? But I don't know if that's possible. If they're, if that's not my experience. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Because that was one thing, like, you know, Ravi constantly was talking to me about banking the ball as well, mm-hmm. right? And like, logistics, 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 trying to figure it out, make it work, blah, blah, blah. And me being Ravi is like, screw the logistics, come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. You are coming, right? I'm like, um, I have a job. <laughs> I have, you know, um, this is not difficult. Um, but knowing Ravi and knowing him and his character, and when he speaks, very highly of something to the way he was I'm like okay this is a seriously significant thing with all you know capital s's right mm. and so I'm like okay i'm going to have high expectations of this i remember being conscious of this that i'm going to have very high expectations because ravi was very impressed by it 
Bobby is not easily impressed by those kinds of things typically. <laughs> and so I was kind of worried, like, well, is it going to fail? My expectations, you know, if I have expectations, it's more likely people are going to fail them, right? He said, low expectations, expect to be surprised. I've seen a lot of people come to their first banquet ball in that way. You, low expectations, you'll be surprised. That's, a, that's, an okay, that's an okay way of doing it. But I also, when I approached, I approached with very high expectations. And what I encountered exceeded all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, afterwards, people were like, I was recapping kind of what I had gotten. I feel like, you know, you're getting as much out of this as some people who've been here for years mm-hmm. and are only just now figuring some of these pieces out. I'm like, well... I came at it with everything I had, and it bore that weight of responsibility well. So I think that something about banquet and ball is it's, it's less about the people, because we're fragile, broken, horrible human beings in many ways. Uh, but they're tapping into something that's transcendent. Yes. And so when something is truly transcendent and truly sacramental, it can bear the weight of any expectations we bring to it. Yeah. And infinitely. Right. And again, with the whole concept of it, that's something they say over and over again is you'll get out of it what you brought into it. Yep. What yeah. what you decided to bring into it. And he brought and James brought in high expectations. Mm-hmm. And he's expecting it to be this. So that's what he's willing to put into it. He's willing to put into it to be able to reach that level. Mm-hmm. And that's what he got back. Interestingly, Couture actually did something similar, though almost in the inverse. She came with no expectations, but she also lived in the moment. Yes. Yeah. Which is one of the best ways to approach the banquet in ball. Absolutely. <laughs> and so she got had a very similar experience, yeah. I think, in that way. I, I suppose if you say put into the end, getting something out, I put myself into it and got myself out. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, from, okay, your yeah. turn. All right. So uh, before <laughs> we go on, whatever it is you're going to ask me. <laughs> I am a person who very much struggles with being present because mm. there's a lot of things day to day, monotonies and just non-fun things. And I'm always looking for something in the future, looking for a banquet ball normally. <laughs> and so then, but, and when it's banquet ball and time's gone past, I've tried to hold on to it. I'm like, it's actually happening right now. This very moment mm. it's actually happening. I've got to hold on to it because I can't let it go. And then I'm heartbroken when it ends. That's mm. happened to me multiple times. But then I've almost come to the point where I'm holding on to it so tightly, I haven't received anything because mm-hmm. I'm holding on so tight. But I, this didn't happen this year. I was just mm. in the present. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is about to be the last dance. And I'm content. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have that that anguish of soul realizing that I won't get to experience this for another 365 days. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm sad that it's over in a way. But at the same time... It's okay. You had yeah. your sustenance. Yeah. And it was satisfying. It was yeah. good. Yeah. And this is the second ball where that's happened. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah. Which was the first one? Then? First one was the, the first one we'd had at that location. So two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Mm. That was, was that the Kingdom of Heaven one? Yes. Yeah. One yeah. of the answers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of naming the balls, they oh. named us the testing ball, like the paragon. The, the, the paragon. The paragon ball, ball yes. in Germany has a testing ball. The yeah. testing ball, which is interesting because I can't articulate this at the moment, but there was there was something throughout the time where if, if I'm kind of anti-testing people in general, mm. just because I think I can, I feel like it can get toxic and manipulative. Mm-hmm. 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 But there seemed to be a beautiful test happening internally mm. that was very good. And 
it just seemed properly named somehow. I can't articulate this at the moment. It's just something I'm still working in my yeah, head. Yeah, that, that's something I was kind of processing too because um, there's, this, there's this tension of if you have a test, there is a potential of failure. Yeah. Right? And one of the things that is, in a sense, quite real about the banquet of all is that, yes, there is a potential for failure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they say that each person has a possibility of ruining the ball. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Yes. Yeah. People can do that. And it has happened in the and past. It has, and that's what I'm saying. It yeah. has happened. Um, and people do fail. They, um, there's lots of different ways. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of uh, heartbreak and unbrokenness because of that. But so it is in that sense, this is a real test. Mm-hmm. But. But they're not looking for the failure. When they say, like, you can get there, and there's people who've, who've worn the tux, they've made mistakes, right? They've flubbed up, they've messed up in so many different ways, but then they keep the tux on. Yeah. Right? And say, okay, this happened. Let's make it work. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with it. Yes. They get mm-hmm. back up again. They say, yes, you passed. You are worthy, right? Yeah. And that is the powerful thing. Because this is something that goes back to honor. Because there is no such thing as honor without the, the corollary existence of shame. Mm. Yes. Right? Mm. It can't exist, right? And so if you remove all possibility of shame, you remove all, remove all possibility of honor. Mm. how it works. And so the thing is, is that, yes, you have it inside and outside. You have people who are in the group who are honored, people who are outside the group who are shamed. Right. That can become very toxic mm-hmm. on its own. Mm-hmm. But if you have within that structure a respect of the people who are shamed to enough of a degree that you say, okay, yes, you've done something shameful. You are outside the group. Here's the door. Here's how to come back in. We want you back in. We will help you come back in because we love you. Mm. And one of the things that actually stuck out to me from the first banquet and ball that I came to was that very thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was the second day and I was talking. I don't even remember like what the specific thing was, but I ended up doing a chicken exit. I made a joke about something that was serious. Somebody had asked me a serious question and I made a joke about it. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it was Dan. And he stopped the conversation dead and said, that's a chicken exit. You don't do that here. Mm. So stop, go back and fix it. Mm. And it meant so much to me because it told me that he cared enough about me Mm. that he was willing to make the entire conversation awkward in order to give me the chance to re-enter into that fellowship, to re-enter into that situation of honor and having honoring conversations. Because he cared enough that he wasn't going to let me just move on with my life without taking, giving me the opportunity to re-enter. And that was huge. And I've seen that. And I've seen sometimes when it's offered, because that's the thing Mm -hmm. is you, we go and we say, you messed up. You're no longer in the group. Mm. 
we want you to go through that door. There's where you need to go to get back in. This is what we need you to do to re-enter into the good graces and to re-enter into that position of honor. And when men don't take that, yeah. that's when it hurts. It really mm. does. Yeah. And it's scary. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, that's actually uh, ultimately the function of excommunication. Because people think yeah. of excommunication as like a... Uh, people actually misinterpret the actual root of the words too. But the exclusion from the community mm-hmm. as like a final uh, finality to it. But it's not. It's actually healing. Right. It's for the purpose of healing. Because excommunication is not about not talking to somebody anymore. Right. It's about removing them from the Eucharist, from communion. Right. You're not eating with them anymore. You're not sharing the one fleshness anymore. You are no longer one of us. Right. You are now other. You are now outside and we want you to come back. Yes, because Mm -hmm. that's dangerous for you to Mm -hmm. be taking... Eucharist in the communion. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're protecting you <laughs> by removing you so that you can have space in order to repent and come back in again mm-hmm. with repentance and healing. It's a something done for them, ultimately. Mm. So it's kind of beautiful space to repent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We need that sometimes. So you wanted to talk to me. Yes. <laughs> you wanted yes. me to talk. I mean. Where shall I begin and with what? Because I've been in my mind going way back. So, in the beginning. Be <laughs> well, so you are the one here among us for who has, as part, as you mentioned, of the Yakima community mm-hmm. ongoing. So we all come into town yeah. for an event and then leave taking yeah. with us that experience. Yeah. Right? You stay here. Yeah. With the people, day in, day out, you do more than just the banquet and ball. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff in the ecosystem here. People yeah. doing things for each other, helping each other. It's amazing and beautiful. Yeah. And then this year, you helped lead. I did. In yeah. the banquet and ball. Mm-hmm. So from we're coming at it from this perspective of here's our first impressions. Here's all of these ideas that we have and applying to outside life. What do you see of the banquet and ball from the perspective of as a newly minted leader of the banquet and ball, having grown into that from within the community? Wow. So it's, it's amazingly humbling and honoring and overwhelming in a way because mm-hmm. I've been, I've started attending the Dance of the Kid Dances six years ago in September of 2015. And I had had people telling me, oh, you should come to these swing dances, they're fun. But I'm like, eh. I was way more, way more shy in high school than I am now. Way more. <laughs> so I was like, eh, I don't want to do new things. Be the only person who doesn't know what's going on. That doesn't sound like what I'm about. Still like that in other ways, by the way. Just not as shy about it. So finally, uh, a friend who was, it was her first night. She didn't want to be the only one. She called me up. We ended up going. The rest is history. I fell in love with dancing. And I always heard about this banquet and ball thing. And one of the big things I remember was dancing and then, you know, not really knowing a bunch of people, just knowing like that person's a great dancer. She's a great dancer. He's a great dancer. I want to dance with the good dancers and admiring them for that, but also wanting to be friends with them. 
So I attended a small group with Bethany and Luis de Leon, oh. who you stayed with. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they were they were dating at the time. They weren't even engaged yet. Wow. So they led a small group where we focused on learning aerials and perfecting some of our dances and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was it was a massive community building experience. And first night, we all got together. It was a summer night. We all sat down. Luis sat us in a circle, and he took out his Bible, and he read Matthew 18. And he said, we are humans. We can make mistakes. Conflicts happen. They will inevitably happen. This is how Christ says you need to deal with them. You go to the person you have a conflict with. You talk it out with them. Hopefully you resolve it. If you don't, bring it to me, and then we'll talk about it. If that doesn't happen, then we'll get the group together. And if so one person is still in sin, then we will have to kick them out. Lo and behold, that had that happened in that small group oh, wow. with an individual who who was behaving poorly and did not repent. And he was removed from the group. Mm. So it's stuck in my mind that these people follow the Bible for one. They don't just talk about it and they mean what they say. Mm-hmm. And it's all for the purpose of keeping us safe. Because if that individual had stayed, it would have become extremely toxic. None of the girls would have wanted to dance with him. You know, it would have just been really bad. Yeah. So I just, just being around those people and being a part of that was, and now those people are my best friends. And I look back, like wanting them to be my best friends mm-hmm. back when I was this little teenager, just starting to go to these dances. Mm-hmm. And now, and then this year, we're talking about, oh, how many... Well, earlier in the year, backtracking a little bit, Bethany Voris, who was the head of the, the head of the whole yes. dance, the head of the whole banquet and ball, she texted me saying, "So, we need people to run banquets. We also need people to invite people to come to banquet and ball, mm-hmm. and we need um, teaching team. What can you do?" I said, "I will do all of the above. I will do whatever it takes so banquet and ball can happen." Mm-hmm. So, Mario and I not only led a banquet. And delicious we were not one. only it on. Was. Thank you. Oh, delicious. <laughs> yes, and all beautiful and unique. <laughs> I'm so glad. So we also taught the opening dance lesson, as Couture yeah. referenced a little earlier. Yeah. And I was also on teaching team. Teaching team was by far the easiest of those things. I think <laughs> maybe the dance lesson was, but <laughs> so I went from zero to one hundred real quick because this mm-hmm. is my fifth thing at a ball, but I had never before done any of those things. So we were getting together with the ladies and we were talking about first years and who has been there the longest. And we're like, oh, there's like four or five first year ladies. And then somebody happened to refer to me as old guard. Now, (laughs) in in syndicate terms, when you say old guard, you're meaning like people who've been dancing for 15 years. (laughs) Like Jared Bauer is old guard. Christina Ostrom is old guard dylan beard you know the ones who are there the, the very first the very experimentations first of the banquet involved yes the people who were back around when it started and somebody kind of like referred to me as part of that group and i was like <laughs> See, well, you, you're a new guard who has been promoted <laughs> i know and i was like i wouldn't want to accept that because i'm not mm. old guard like i'm right. not those people like in my mind that that category is something i don't fit but it was an honor thing, you know, mm-hmm. just as like a casual thing. And it was, yeah, it was. So, Anyways. So I want to comment on that briefly. So this is something that I told uh, Jesse and I told Bethany and I was talking to Sky about it as well. Um, so one of the things I talked about in my communications training was how I talk about this in coaching and in my business a lot where you have different 
four different tiers of society, how people interact with each other. You have individual one-on-one connection in moment in moments, right? You have those extended through time in relationships. And then you have when you have instead of going from a dyad of two people, you go to three people or more. That's a community. They've come together around a common value or a common goal. When you take that community and perpetuate that through time, just like you did from a connection to a relationship, that is what is a culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a culture communicates the values, the actions and behaviors of a community from one generation <laughs> to the next. It perpetuates them. Mm-hmm. It has to have a mechanism for doing that. And there's specific mechanisms at each stage, and each stage has particular strengths that are unique to it and particular conversational strategies. And there's a lot built into this model. But one of the biggest challenges that any community that is doing anything struggles with, and one of the most dangerous points in its lifetime is that transition from a community to a culture. Mm -hmm. Because if you have just a few individual people who are embodying the values of that community, and that's the only way values can be embodied is in a particular person, and the strength of that value is your relationship with those people, if you just have one set of people or one person, that's a cult. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's this, what that is. This is funny because Good. I don't want to interrupt what you're saying, so I'll, I'll add it on after you're finished okay, and go okay. on a tangent. <laughs> All right. So in order to perpetuate that, they need to be able to hand off that mantle of herohood. You need to have mm-hmm. a new generation, have a mechanism for them to rise up and take on that mantle of the culture and carry on those values in a new way, traditioning it forward. Yeah. Right. Mm. That transition is so critical and so important to be able to have an old guard and a new guard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And And most of the old guard wasn't even there last night. Deliberately. See, this particular banquet and ball is unique and special because the old guard deliberately stepped aside and said, all right, we're putting people who are new here because both Jesse and Bethany, neither of them had led the leaders before. They'd done some teachings, like Jesse had done mm-hmm. the dueling before mm-hmm. and things like that. They'd had some experience already. They'd, they'd been in that process. And then some of you, like like you, went from zero to 100, mm-hmm. right? Jumped right in there. So there was a lot of new people, but they had the systems in place. They had the culture in place that were able to actually create a new ball that was mm-hmm. true. Yeah. That was the same experience. So people are coming home still when they came there, which gives me such joy and inspiration and hope because I love seeing that happen because so many, so many die at that point, at that transition, Mm -hmm. they they, they drop the ball and they can never pick it back up again. It's happened to me many times and it's heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. but you were part of the birth of a new era. Of yeah. strength and growth in the banquet mm. and ball, I believe. Wow. So, yeah. yes, that, that comment by the, that people perceive you as the old guard, they're seeing that transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, so, you are going to tangent on yes. something. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I say this part in tongue in cheek, but also when I say this, it's the greatest honor mm-hmm. because I love them. But halfway through the second day of lectures and stuff, not even halfway, pretty early on. I was like, this is a cult. <laughs> this is a cult. And I kept hearing this man.
man's named Dan. And I was like, and he is the cult leader. <laughs> oh my god. And I say this. I am telling you that. Honor. This, is, this, is, this is good to me because I love cults. I know many cults. And I, say this, I mean this in the greatest, like, yeah, with the yes. greatest. Well, in the anthropological, strict technical sense, yes. Um, mm -hmm. A cult is simply a system of veneration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's how uh, authority, influence, and values work. You know, our, uh, the strength of a value is the strength of the relationship you have with the person mm -hmm. who embodies that value. Mm -hmm. And so that's how a cult works. That's why I distinguish from cult from culture. Is, it, is, mm -hmm. a, is a culture is something that transitions from one cult to the next. Yeah. <laughs> effectively. Exactly. And I think I met well, Dan, right? Yeah, yes, he was he the was, one who yes, did the music. He did yes, the music, yes. yes. So at the very end, like close to the end, um, there were very people escorting ladies into the dinner room, and he came over and he escorted me, and I was like, okay, now full circle, the cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I have met the head of said cult. That's so funny, Couture, <laughs> because awesome. he's not the cult leader. He's not. <laughs> the cult leader wasn't even there this year. No, because <laughs> well, technically well, you would is, say Jared, right? Well, this is so funny because over the years, of course, so many people are like. Like genuinely serious, like this lady kid is a cult. Where yeah, everybody runs for the hills and everybody laughs at them. Like this happens so much to the point where it's become a joke. Where everybody's like, "Yeah, we're a cult. We put the cult in culture." <laughs> but usually, people think Jared, and we were also yeah, talking about Jared, Jared is old guard, and Dan, Dan is, is too. Dan is closer to old guard. Bit, he's he's, he's bridging between old yeah. and new guard. Yeah. Okay, so his mindset is very new guard. I think in many ways. Anyways, so it's so. <laughs> funny that like I'm sure Dan would say something like I blame Jared if you were to come up and say he was the cult leader but like Jared is the one people always pick on and then Jared is always like you know in a cult people do what I tell them to if this were a cult people would do exactly what I told them to do all the time nobody ever does what I tell them to do <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which it sounds like Jared which is great because that's how you can tell it's a culture yes it's because what unites us isn't the person. Yes. It's the idea. It's what yes. they did. And the reason it sounded like Dan was a cult leader <laughs> is he because those he, was so well. what, he was the easiest point of contact yeah. for the identification of that culture. Because yes. the, the two balls, at least the two balls I went to, my first two, mm -hmm. and I think he, did he run the one before? I don't remember. Okay. At least the two no, I ran. Not, were, no, not the first two. Yeah. Okay. We're, the, we're very, very good. Mm -hmm. And they embodied a lot of the culture and the mindset of what we wanted, of what the banquet and ball was supposed to be oh, and yeah. how it was supposed to feel and what, and was very much the foundational stuff uh -huh. that we're always talking about. Uh -huh. So his name would come up because also he's a, as People, if you listen to the previous episode on this, though, he is an excellent communicator. Mm -hmm. he He's is. very good at communicating these cultural ideas. I use it as an example words in, my, can, in my presentation. Yes, yeah. in ways that people can understand and get on board with. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. side note, Dan is one of the most stylish men I've ever met in my life. He's yes! He looks amazing every time. He does. Like, he and Amanda walked into the Christmas dance. She was wearing, like, red dress, heels, black coat. He's, like... Wearing like dress shoes, black slacks, gloves, scarf, and like long woolen coat. And he, yeah. they walk in, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys always look so good. <laughs> wow. It's just, and he's yeah. Such, he has such a kind heart. It was really cool because uh, he actually just put time out of his day on Wednesday to help do some specific dancing tutoring with me. Oh, um, before wonderful. I think before the um, orientation. And that was super helpful. Yeah. And 
tremendously awesome. Yeah. So, and so was, they have an amazing family. Yeah. Yes. I thought it was really kind the way he just, like, got off the stage and came all the way over and escorted me. He's like, and it's okay if I leave you. I've got to go out. We just, uh, I, I was very impressed. You, you know, yeah. all, one thing I brought up, you mentioned that, like, he's asked, yeah. is it okay if I leave you? Uh, that's one distinctive about Dan yeah. in particular. That's part of the culture that I really wanted to emphasize. And I reason why I use him as an example in my communications yeah. presentation is when you listen to him and when you converse with him, mm-hmm. he always asks permission. Yeah. All the time. Like, do you mind if I bring up a thought on that? Or do you mind if I, I have a, a thought on this piece? Can I expand on that a little bit further? And if you say, hey, I need to finish this thing, thought, like, oh, cool, I'll bring it up after. Mm-hmm. Like, he is actually legitimately asking right. you, mm-hmm. yeah. not just as a, a throwaway and then jumps in. Yeah. He's actually asking your permission, making it a yeah. collaborative process. The amount of respect that he carries mm-hmm. with him yes. at all times is tremendously powerful. Yeah, so, yeah. Great. yes, fantasy cult leader. Anyway. What was I saying before this entire day? <laughs> came up? It's been <laughs> delightful. <but> like... <laughs> yeah, so we were talking about uh, the. Transition, you mentioned the, somebody called mm. you an old guard yeah. mm. and that experience of having a new relationship with the ball and his culture as a yeah. new, a newly minted leader. Yeah. So I guess there's two sides to that. One of them is like, I'm one of those people that everybody's looking at and wanting to be friends with. It's <laughs> like, it's come full mm-hmm. circle and it's amazing and humbling and just like, like God has been so good. You know, mm. I would have never imagined when I was like... Like, yeah, yeah, was age. Like, right. <laughs> like her first banquet of ball. Like, me coming to my first banquet of ball. I'm I would so never seeing her there. Imagine. Oh, she's yes. gorgeous. She's so delightful. I love her. Mm-hmm. I really, really. I'm a big fan of my sisters. <laughs> yes. They're, they're worthy of being big fans of. Yes. But, like, somebody like her age is, like, coming in for the first time. And, like, I would have never known that I would have been one of those people. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that is having, like, opening night you know jesse speaks bethany speaks they're two of my best friends Mm -hmm. like bethany this is bethany boris we've heard you've probably heard multiple bethany's being talked about there's bethany de leon and bethany boris so bethany boris the leader of the (laughs) the leader of this paragon ball so she and i trained jujitsu together whoa that's where we see each other most often she is terrifying. <laughs> I can see that she has muscles. Yeah, she's incredibly strong. She's small. She's so fast. Like, yeah, like and she comes across as a very shy person in a lot of yes. contexts, but she is. And, <laughs> she's powerful. But she's one of the most strongest people I know, and she's forged that strength through a lot of different trials mm-hmm. and and choices that she's made, and just. Watching her up there, just being like, "Yes, this is my friend," and 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 the same thing. Like she's a quiet person, but that dress she wore was like amazingly like <laughs> oh, colorful and so unique. Mm-hmm. And she wears dresses like that every year, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. so cool to see because she's not the kind of person who normally comes out and is like, "Hello, here I am," <laughs> like, like Mario, no. or <laughs> like Mario. you know, she's not she's not the it promoter, tells it tells know? a story. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she's, yeah, and but she always, you know, wears these beautiful, like, orange or bright blue or, like, bright pink dresses like that, and it's it's so wonderful. And then Jesse as well, who I think, like, he's also one of my best friends, and he's been one of those people who's been in, like, my inner ring this year in so many things, in mm-hmm. film and so many other things, and just being so proud to see him and knowing... 
knowing the incredible things he's been through as well that I've been either witnessing very closely or from further back. But that man has been through the ringer. Mm. And just watching him up there, just, oh, it was so satisfying. And mm. I was so proud to be like, yes, these are these are my people. And they have so much wisdom to share. It's mm. just, it's wonderful. <laughs> it was It was just amazing. That's awesome. But yeah, so uh, the hardest thing by far that I did was the banquet. Mario's dream has been ever since he went to his first banquet of ball to to run the banquet. Mm -hmm. And now, so when Bethany asked, would you, would you be able to do this? It'd be immediately, yes, we will do this. But with that came a huge number, amount of planning and logistics and all of this stuff that I think we both underestimated. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> I remember opening night. Okay, this is a testing ball. We're going to get tested. Mm -hmm. Next day, completely forgot about it. I had to give two speeches. Piece of cake. Completely forgot about it. Those were fine. Everything's fine. And then it's like day of the ball. It's like, but it was so interesting because, oh, I've got to plan all these things. I've got to set the name cards out. I've got to put get the flowers out of the garage. I've got to do all this stuff. And a lot of it didn't happen. And I was upstairs getting my hair and makeup done. And I'm hearing people come into my house. And I'm like, but I was like, at the same time, no, can't do that. I'm wearing the ball gown. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to put my dress on. I'm going to run downstairs. I'm going to walk sedately down the hallway, very quietly and gently. I'm going to walk mm -hmm. down the stairs. And this is how it's planned to be. Yeah. So the entire night, it was kind of like flip-flopping between, oh my gosh, this thing went wrong and that thing went wrong. And why is the food taking a long time all of a sudden <laughs> to like, Yes, this is fine. This is mm -hmm. this is how it's meant to be. And at some point I was very, very discouraged with how some things had not happened and this thing went wrong and that thing went wrong. And so was Mario. And so yeah. then we all left. We all went to, to the ball and we, we walked in and there. And then I'm sitting there with with all of this stuff in my head. And then Jesse steps forward and he says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paragon Ball. You've all been tested. And none of you have been found wanting. You were all worthy. And I broke mm. down. I started crying. Because mm. I needed to hear that so badly. After what I'd been, <laughs> been putting myself through all day. Of trying to make everything perfect. Yeah. And failing with making everything perfect. Mm. And after that it was just amazing. It mm. was so... It was so... Oh, it was just so joyful. And there was... It's so, yeah. It was peaceful and it was calm and it was it was wonderful. It was oh my goodness, yeah. I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah, that was something that really struck uh, me was in telling that story because I was watching and seeing a lot of it, and Jesse was cl closely talking with Mario throughout all of that, mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out how we could you know help and be of service. And, um, also the, the way that you were able, when I, when I saw you come down the steps, right. Mm -hmm. And you truly did enter the room as a hostess mm -hmm. and you had that sense of presence and Mario, you know, I knew, yes, wheels are spinning, things are going crazy and kind of hectic and behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but Mario has authority, presence and command. He asked for help. He asked for prayer. He got them. Because mm -hmm. we were in the talks and we were with him and on his side. Yeah. Right? We were all being tested 
together. Yeah. And it wasn't about the specific logistical issues. It was about how we encountered them mm-hmm. that made it an excellent banquet. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesse and I completely and heartily agree with him that, yes, we were found worthy through that testing. There was a lot of testing going on through that weekend in yeah. a lot of different oh, ways. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of prayer going on in a lot yeah. of different places. There was a lot of spiritual warfare happening. That's common around the banquet of all. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. there have yeah. been times, it was three years ago, the last time we were up at Gormley in the woods. Right. Like I heard mm. about this, but the the, the men, we, we, we rented out a big, it's a Christian camp. The up, in the mountains. up in the mountains mm-hmm. and the you know men's cabin women's cabin we'd walk everywhere there's a dining hall there's like a meeting hall all this stuff right mm-hmm. so women are in our cabin over here and it's like the night before the ball and we hear this screaming and this shouting and we're like that's kind of weird but we're okay the men will take care of it <laughs> we're like not we're like mm-hmm. oh that's that's weird but we weren't concerned apparently like a bunch of people had been standing, like, a, a bunch of the men had been, like, around the fire, like, like praying and battling off demons for, like, six hours or something. I don't know exactly. Maybe mm. it's exaggerated. But, like, that was happening. And we were all just like, yeah, they'll take care of it. And they did. <laughs> but, wow. like, Mario, <clears throat> last night, as soon as the banquet started and arrived, his back suddenly extreme pain for no reason and that persisted the entire night all through the banquet all through everything setting up all through the ball and as Mm. soon as the ladies left fine but he knew and he told me this i was like do you want to go sit down he's like i would love to go sit down so we went and sat down (laughs) instead of for one of our dances we went and got water or something and he's like it's not gonna stop me i've already won i've already Mm. won Mm-hmm. This doesn't matter. So, mm. yeah. like, the devil's not going to get any hold because there's nothing to get. Yep. <laughs> I don't care yeah. if I'm in pain right now. Yeah. And, wow. yeah. Yeah, the composure and poise of everything was very beautiful to mm. witness. And it was a beautiful banquet. Like, yeah, we, we didn't see every course, but we enjoyed <laughs> the courses we did see, and we enjoyed the whole time, and it wasn't like there was a lack. Yeah. It was right. beautiful. It yeah. was a pleasant time. Like, good. pleasant. How can there be lack when there's pleasantness yeah. happening? Yeah. It was, it was also a big lesson for me in letting things go, uh, like, mm-hmm. in ma- in my marriage as well. Because, mm-hmm. like, Mario and I have very opposite personalities. I'm, like, they're very much, like, on top of things, like, numbers and nah, 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 nah. everything <laughs> has to be like this. And Mario is just like, spontaneity! <laughs> That's it, right? so, <laughs> so for me, being the hostess, I had to just be like, yeah, everything's just happening. Even though I wanted to get up and run behind the curtains like, where's this thing? <laughs> like, what's happening? Uh-huh. It's like, I'm not going to do that. And you were no way hostess. am I going to do that. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I love how you just sat there at the table and you just made yeah. everything good. And- <laughs> Yeah, Mario brought things as they were to be brought, and yeah, yeah, mm. it was so lovely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, Ravi, James, what was your unique experience from this particular banquet? Your fourth. Well, much like Kate, so, um, I had volunteered to help out this time, mm-hmm. and they were kind enough to have me help lead the dueling this year. So mm-hmm. that was my job is Jesse approached me because he was doing the dip man's side and he's like, hey, I would appro- I was wondering if you would be willing to help with dueling and also security for the ball. For the ball. 
making sure that the ladies are able to get inside the venue safely from wherever we have to park their cars, making sure everything's clean, there's no distracting drunks sitting on the front step. (laughs) (laughs) But he, so he asked me to do this. I'm like, okay, so what does this look like? He's like, so you're just going to run the dueling. You've been here several times. You know how the dueling works. You're going to run it. I'm like, okay. So he's like, no, no, this is your baby. You are now in charge of dueling. Whatever choices you make are what's going to happen. And again, that, that idea of putting the tux on. Yeah. He's saying, okay, you need to put the tux on and you're making this happen. And so then I was like, okay, so can you give me your notes? Because he's led it several years previously, mm-hmm. just the dueling. So he sent me like his notes on the dueling. That way I had like a general overview. So I wasn't going off of my rather shoddy memory. (laughs) I have a severe forgetter. It is very well equipped. (laughs) But, um, and then I was trying to, and so from then on, he was, he would get in contact with me wondering if I had come up with anything, if I was going to give, because he mentioned that this year was a lot about going back to the basics, Mm -hmm. about returning to the core principles of what, the banquet and ball stands for like we were talking the cultural points mm-hmm. that all of the stuff is built around mm-hmm. and so we were talking about that and i was trying to come up with some kind of speech i kept on getting distracted and <laughs> just it wasn't working i would distracted. i would sit down to work on it and i would spend like an hour and a half and i would get nowhere mm-hmm. which is very weird for me because i almost never have a problem writing down a speech i can usually prepare a sermon and mm-hmm. Like a half hour sermon in three hours is roughly how much working time it takes me. I'll like mull it over for a couple of weeks and then it takes three hours of me focusing on it and working it and I get it all hammered out and everything works great. But it just wasn't coming together. And what I realized is that I had missed an important step in it. And that was specifically that... I wasn't there to teach. I was there to remind them of what we all believed already. Mm-hmm. And so I reoriented on that and how to do that. But what was really cool is like we were talking about earlier about being able to pass that on. Mm-hmm. The fact that he didn't step in and tell me how to lead the dueling. Mm-hmm. He'd done it at least three of the years I've been there. He's done it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was four. I think it was three. And he led the dueling. And so he knows what this is about. And it's, but we changed some stuff this year, which was excellent. I really appreciated the change. I heard only positive and enthusiastically positive feedback on the changes. But what he was, but the, but the thing is he wanted me to make it real. He wanted, Mm -hmm. he, he wanted me to own it. And that was one of the things I had to, get inside get outside my own head on (laughs) yeah yeah. i had a similar experience because i was wanting to again like i mentioned earlier participate in order to learn and that was actually one of the concerns that they had when i asked them hey i'd like to do training and participation like well we typically don't like offer training positions to people up in their second year right i understand that but then the reason why wasn't the reason why i thought is it wasn't because they don't think i'm qualified or experienced enough right. is because frequently people when they start teaching stop learning right mm. they think that they've arrived and i'm like oh well 
Okay, let me explain a little bit better then. <laughs> so my whole point of wanting to teach is not to teach, is actually to learn. Like, oh, yes. well, okay, here we go. <laughs> let's do this then. <laughs> um, and so I was talking with Bethany, like, let's, you know, where could this fit in? And she's like, okay, cool. This is where you might fit in. So go talk to Jesse. And that was it. I was like, okay. So I went and talked to Jesse, talked with him, got some of his vision and whatnot. She had a, her high level vision, got his vision and kind of the general time scale and whatnot. And okay, mm -hmm. so I'm like, go make it happen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, that was it. And they trusted me to make work. And I checked back with them and if I had a particular question I needed clarification on. I, they were more than helpful, happy and helpful to help work with me through it. And I got right. excellent advice from Dan. Or we direct you to someone who was exactly who they trusted on this subject. Who they, yep. and that's what's cool. They trusted like, people is when not you, micromanaging, right? Is when <clears throat> you're wise enough when when the leadership knows trusts you with it, but is also wise enough to send you to the person who can best help you. Yes, and in humility, right? And in my work, it's really cool when I see that because, like, I work as a firearms instructor and. Every now and again, I'm like, I have this question. I'm like, okay, so there's a certain technique. I've seen it. I need to understand, like, how is it supposed to be done so I can help people who insist that they have to use it, be it for company, for their um, police policy or whatever. And they're like, I know a little bit about this, but you need to go find this guy because mm -hmm. he knows that. Go talk to him and he'll teach mm -hmm. you how to do this right. And that just speaks so highly of somebody's professionalism and their character mm -hmm. that they're able to acknowledge when they aren't the expert on a subject, when they aren't the one you should be talking mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. and owning that, the idea of owning your own actions and knowing your place is really key. And that's a lot of what I've heard about the banquet and ball is it's about mm -hmm. finding your own place, mm -hmm. finding where you belong. Yeah. And that's yeah. super awesome about yeah. that group indeed yeah. indeed yeah. <laughs> absolutely and do you feel that actually real quick yes before going on, so what were this talk a little bit about the specific changes that were made okay so changes that were made this year and again what was cool about it is it wasn't like okay these are changes that are going to be made mm -hmm. it was this is your baby mm -hmm. you're in charge of dueling then he steps back and then he comes back as some random dude who has attended Banquet and Ball before and says, we had this idea. Mm -hmm. What do you think if we move dueling from the morning of the second day to the night of the first day? I'm like, okay, I can think of that. Now tell me why. Mm -hmm. Because again, the Banquet and Ball, the why is important. Oh, it's always important. Yeah. Just like this podcast, the why is what we're here for. <laughs> and that's, I'm probably biased towards why's, but... Yes. <laughs> and, and the why, there were several good points, but one of them was we wanted to attach significance and we wanted to make it so that the men were sacrificing something in order to keep on doing this. Because before, we've done it the morning of the second day, and the second day is already jam-packed. We have some teachings. We have to get all the dance cards built. We have to have dance practice in the evenings. We have to eat lunch. There's a lot of stuff that happens on the second yeah. day. So we would get up at like 6 in the morning. We'd go do it, and then we'd have to stop by like 9, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to get anything done. Mm -hmm. But then this time, what they did is we moved it to the night after dance practice. First night, you show up. You get the briefing, 
you do dance practice, and the ladies leave, and we started dueling. And we weren't done dueling until all the men had decided that they were satisfied with the process. That they had decided that they were okay with the way things stood. They weren't going to challenge anybody's. Right. It was, so what essentially it was, is it was giving ownership of the process to each individual man. Because the process wasn't over until everyone had given their, we, we had, I have it right here, we had these pens. Mm-hmm. And we would, because we couldn't get swords, because it was cost prohibitive. <laughs> There's a sword printed on the yes. pen, though, which is very cool. Oh, so yes. you guys even use real swords this time? No, no we, we used real swords. We used for swords but dueling. the pen was to represent <laughs> hanging up our sword. Oh, to okay. say that yeah. I was done fighting, that I believed that peace, ha- that pe- that I was okay with this being a peaceful end, that we yep. had achieved the goal. Yep. So you would hang up your your sword, your pen, metaphorically, right, your pen, <laughs> to in- indicate that you believed that everything was right. Yep. Okay. And we didn't stop until every man had every hung pen. up his pen saying, "I believe this is right." Yeah. And what it did is it gave ownership of it. You couldn't ended up, say... It ended up taking, like, three and a half, four hours. Wow. I don't remember. It was it was a good bit. It was a while. But it was good because it, good. it gave another angle of ownership, and it also gave us another thing that we were sacrificing. Yeah. Because not only were we putting our bodies on the line by trying to stand up to somebody else who's trying to whack you with a big old piece of metal. Particularly Dylan and Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two rather terrifying. robust men. <laughs> <laughs> but not only Lightning we were doing that, but we powerful. were also sacrificing sleep that we knew we weren't going to get back. Because yeah. it's not like we rescheduled stuff to like you could show up whenever you wanted. No, we had a start time the next morning. No, no you were just cutting then. into your day. <laughs> you were just cutting into your night's sleep in order because you believed that you had what we had to do. Mm. And I think it went really well, those two changes, those two. Yeah. And it was... I completely and heartily agree. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it really trans... Not saying that the experience was bad before, it worked. It worked well. Uh, This added a new dimension to it that reinforced and revivified in many ways, I Mm. think, the core and the heart of what dueling is all about. Yes. So, yeah. and that's just another example of how Banquet and Ball has morphed and transformed mm-hmm. and improved over it's the years. It's a living tradition. Yes. Because <laughs> I know, I mean, I wasn't there around for the first six years, right? But a lot of people talked about how it was so much more serious. Like, people were not allowed to smile sometimes. In some mm-hmm. cases, like, even the ladies were encouraged, like, don't, don't laugh. Or, like, you have to be super serious about all the time so you'll take it seriously. Which I think was needed at that time mm. to to show the difference. Like, oh, this isn't just a Friday dance. This isn't even just a Christmas dance where you dress up a little more. Mm. This is this is something that has weight and gravity to it, and we need mm-hmm. to treat it as such. But now we know that already, mm-hmm. so we can let go of a little bit of that stiffness, right? And we mm. can just do. But as there's we see fit. but there's still that solemnity yes Yes. and there's still those finding that tension those mature members who are able to identify it when you've gone beyond being able to be relaxed in your solemnity to where you're starting to get silly or you're starting to not take this seriously yeah Mm -hmm. and they call you out on yeah Mm -hmm. they're like the guys will approach me if i'm if i get lost in my head and i decide okay i need to go this way and i start running across the bed running 
striding intentionally across. The, yeah. He's like, they'll walk up to me like, you're wearing the tux, slow down. Yeah. Because that's what you do. You're deliberate about what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's, and it's just so cool because you see it, like you were mentioning, with the button and the hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With just the, you see it in the little things. You see yeah. that making that connection and snapping into place. Mm-hmm. And being able to see that come alive in everyone and seeing those little places where you are looking at an interaction. And all of a sudden, you see that connection, that spark happen, mm. and all of a sudden, it all it all makes sense. Yeah, and those are those are the really beautiful parts of the banquet and ball. Indeed. And that's the thing we touched on with where the, our panel that we put together on wearing the ball gown. Kayla and I got together a couple of days before we got together on Monday night or something. Mm. We're coming up with kind of questions that would get the ball rolling, so that other people would also be encouraged to ask questions of the panelists. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, how would you define wearing the ball gown in one sentence? And then, and what Kayla and I kind of agreed would be our answer in that was, take your time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when it came to the actual panel, like, everybody's like, how would you, so I asked, I read the question aloud, how would you define wearing the ball gown in one sentence? And all the ladies in the panel are like, <laughs> One sentence, really, <laughs> and so, and so they had to think about it a lot because they were like, "There's so much that goes into this," mm. and then everybody had a slightly different angle, but it all kind of came back in some yeah. ways to taking your time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. or it's something in I think modern day society that we've really lost because everybody's rush, rush. rushing everywhere, everybody's speeding, everybody's running into work late, everybody's everybody's going <laughs> to fast food because they don't have time to get real food, you know don't have time and all this stuff so it's such a great reminder of how to actually be present and a reminder i very much needed this year Mm. (laughs) yeah it was a very rejuvenating process just feeling like slow down and be happy and realize that it's okay like i don't know it it kind of makes you feel valued in a way also Mm -hmm. it's like yes nobody wants you to hurry up Mm -hmm. you're appreciated like and just like be be, yeah. Be, yeah. be present, mm-hmm. be here, mm-hmm. and be yourself. It's yeah. about being the real you right here, right now. Being the in you that context. God created you to be yeah. in this context. Right. Yeah. And for me, that meant being wild and being elegant. Mm. Yes. At the same and time. At the same time. <laughs> yes. yes. And that was like, because I ended up dancing barefoot. I was thinking about dancing with heels. but I'm then, so glad you did. Then last minute, I was like, nope, I'm taking my shoes off. I'm doing this barefoot. Elegant and wild. And that's that yeah. was that yeah. was you, and that was a good choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was fun. Yes. And Bethany did my hair, and it was so perfect. I told her I want something that's kind of hippie but also elegant. That's what I told her. I said uh-huh. hippie but elegant. <laughs> and she did it. She did. Yeah. Yes, it was well done. It was so perfect. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, it it's so awesome. wonderful. It's awesome. Mm. So. On that note, like, what are some other thoughts from the ladies? Because we've talked the entirety of last podcast was all guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked, we kind of talked about the women's experience from secondhand that we'd heard and how we related to it. But what are your thoughts on just from the women's experience beyond what we've already discussed? One of the talks we had that we usually have every year was, well, it was a little different. We usually have a talk on modesty, mm-hmm. hot button topic. A lot of and people a lot of people have opinions on various sides of the spectrum regarding that. But with our talks it's always something that comes at it from a very unique 
perspective. And Sarah Beard talked about humility. Mm-hmm. And Christina talked about modesty and how they correlated. And it's... And when you're, you're talking about being humility in the context of where you're wearing something absolutely, like, something so beautiful and elegant and fancy that you never wear the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And how you're humble in that. And, like, you're doing your hair, you're doing your makeup. Like, for me, this is, like, the most I ever dress up, mm-hmm. ever, year-round. Mm-hmm. And how are you humble in that? And we didn't talk about this exactly this year. But in times that gone past, we've talked about how we've talked about art and how <clears throat> there's a contrast between all the men, you know, mm-hmm. obviously there's variations with tuxedos, like some people have a green pocket square, green tie, whatever. Yeah. But the, the, And those are so much fun to see everybody's personality with that coming through mm-hmm. with that. But the men are or very ju- or uniform. Jesse's, uh, um, or Jesse's, yeah, Jesse's tailcoat, which is so <laughs> awesome. Yes. But there's very much a uniformity with the men. Mm-hmm. But with the women, like, everybody's different. Everybody's wearing a different color. Everybody's got a different style. Everybody's hair is different. And just that, and the, um, and Sarah did talk about this. She says that Dylan says this thing a lot. Women reflect beauty and men reflect truth. Yeah. And so yeah. much of what it means for us to be women has to do with feeling beautiful and representing and showing that beauty. And... And just, and the ball gowns are such a unique way of that. And that's part of, part of who we are as like, and the men in their tuxes being the, the uniformity and the women with the variety. I don't think I'm explaining this quite properly. I have it in my mind better than how it's coming out. But the women being part of the art of the whole thing, just mm-hmm. because of that color and that vibrance. We are like living pieces of art. Right. I remember thinking about this last year, and it struck me during one of the dances. I can't remember who in particular it was with. Um, it might have actually been you, possibly. But it struck me how much effort had gone into intentionally making herself beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? And the intention that I was putting into trying to make the dance and the conversation be able in a way to kind of showcase that beauty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it struck me that so much of what we were doing in the dance was prayer. We were venerating each other as icons of God mm. in honoring and respecting each other. And this was an active living prayer of worship to God, mm-hmm. right? And the function of the beauty in that prayer was like that of incense, raising those prayers up to God mm-hmm. for a sweet smelling savor. Which is, is what, that's what my name means. Yes. That's the li- yes. literal definition of my name. Yes. I love yes, that. it is. Yeah. Incense? Uh, lifting up a, oh, okay. a sacrificial, sweet smelling sacrifice. Wow. Incense. Yeah. 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 Or offering. Yeah. Yeah. So it's New King James or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Used to listen to audio Bibles a lot. So. <laughs> well, if you if you put it down to like one simple word, it'll be defined as cinnamon. The same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, sacrificial. So that's that, that's what. Yeah. Right. In that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that that art, God uses so much mm-hmm. beauty and art in 
worship. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at you know the Old Testament and all the instructions for how to beautify the temple and the place yeah. for worship and all the different ways to make it good and beautiful and the, and the describing, you know, Bethel and um, Uriel how they are gifted by the Holy Spirit with the skill mm-hmm. to make beautiful craftsmanship. Yes. Right? And so much of that craftsmanship was, you know, decorating the temple and the place, mm-hmm. but also decorating the priests mm-hmm. in their vestments. Yeah. Making yeah. them beautiful as they were offering up prayers for the people. Yes. And that's, I think, a huge part, in a sense, of the priestly role of both the men and the women, but in particular in the banquet of all contexts, particularly the women, mm-hmm. are fulfilling a very priestly role hmm. in that context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Katura, what are some of your thoughts? What are some of your takeaways? Yeah, you have some. Yeah. So, so to, to wrap things up here, and you have notes. You said you took notes. I love that you took notes. I always take notes. This. I'm yes. a writer. Didn't take notes this year. Yeah. We talked about that in our jazz, how important it is to take mm-hmm. notes. <laughs> I, I, I kind of treated it as a church hopping experience halfway through. I used to do a lot of church hopping. <laughs> Well, I shouldn't say used to. Last summer, I visited over 20 churches and then wrote a review post for each one, (laughs) criticizing the church. (laughs) Good and bad. Mostly on its hospitality and just how the church was. I visited a wide variety of denominations. And that's kind of why I would say things like, oh, this felt like I was going to church, but actually. Or like it was Mm -hmm. a wonderful cult. Because, you know, (laughs) I'm just like all those things. Those are dear, dear things to me. (laughs) But. Mm, I just love so many parts. For me, it's a lot of just like little moments that just are coming together for a beautiful feeling afterwards. That makes sense. During the the day of women's lectures, just like some of what Sarah said and some of the conversations we had where we had to speak to another person for two minutes and then Mm -hmm. listen to the person for two minutes, just back and forth and different things they said. And then we had to critique each other's like speaking, just how they spoke. And something that was said to me like, just stop correcting yourself. Don't apologize when you mispronounce a word. Just go over it because we don't notice that. And it just was like, it was different mm-hmm. things that the woman said were like free and like, oh, it's okay for me to make mistakes and just keep on going. They don't need my apology. I can just keep on going. Yeah. Out of curiosity, was it Kayla who said that? It was not Kayla. It was, it was um, I don't want to say the wrong name, but I believe her name was, she wore the dress that was like cotton candy. Christina. Christina. Okay. Yes. I want to okay, say Christina, okay. but I don't want to say that. Yes. Yeah, it was Christina. I was just curious because that's something that's said often in Toastmasters, and Kayla is Toastmaster as well. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah, so we have had that. She built some of her exercises off of Toastmasters. We okay. collaborated on some of those pieces. Yeah, Christina yeah. is lovely to talk to. I awesome. So is Kayla. I love Kayla. She said some lovely things about, um, you know, just just go with it, be happy. Like, <laughs> it was just so lovely, everything she said, too. Awesome. And then, like, some, I think Sarah was, like, Sarah's talk on modesty, I think it was Sarah. With someone, anyways, they were talking about. Um, this was actually a variety of people who said this, but how grief doesn't does not need to precede forgiveness. People talk about the different stages of grief, and then you forgive. But like that's not necessary. You can just forgive. You don't have to go through the process of grief, mm-hmm. or like um, humility and vulnerability are one and the same. Like you can't really have one without the other. And that was profound to me, because often we're like, is that fake or is that not not fake? Like, was, were they just being real? And were they just being humble? And, like, you know, you get those, like, it's like, oh, I see. Like, we have those together. Like, that kind of, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. That was just a profound. That was beautiful. Yeah. 
moment. And then, um, yeah, I took lots of notes. There's no way I can tell you guys notes, but I'm just going to get some right. favorite parts. <laughs> okay. Oh, something else that someone said that was just beautiful, like, your distractions are important. Someone said that. You remember that? I think that was also Christina that said that, too. Like, your distractions are important. We have things we're worrying about, like, our phones are, there's something on there that is important that's calling us. And mm. yet we're going to choose to put those important things aside to be in this moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. She said, give them to God. Yes. Yes. I had a super powerful experience with that too, because this entire weekend, I feel like I've been fighting a cold of some kind. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like runny nose, scratchy throat. The opening night, like my eyes felt like fuzzy and yeah. watery. Like they were watering the entire time. It was oh, awful. Wow. And so I woke up on the teaching day, like thinking I was going to lose my voice. Oh, wow. And I was like freaking out, like, I can't be sick. I can't be sick. That, that, mm-hmm. I cannot be sick because this mm-hmm. is banquet and ball. Yeah. And then Christina said, like, if you were distracted, give it to God. And I was like, okay, God. Get it. Feeling sick. I don't want it anymore. And then mm-hmm. I just immediately st- stopped thinking hmm. about that. It was like wow. two hours later, I was like, oh, right. I was feeling sick this morning. <laughs> huh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that, is that is lovely. That is cool. Yeah. And it, persistent the entire yeah. the entirety of the, the time uh-huh. mm. and I had worries and distractions going on too and I was able to like they were still able to be important and I was able to be like yeah but I could still be happy and like in this moment it was it was pretty great mm-hmm. like that's awesome it was good and so like oh and what was really special was Lachelle who had done a bunch of painting we had like the whole basement of Bethany's house fixed up to be like an art gallery mm-hmm. and a good portion of it was Lachelle's and we paired up and I didn't realize it was her at first and we were just going back and forth exchanging stories of the art and we got to her part of the art and she's like just tell me what you think of it all and partway through I realized it was her art that I was telling the story <laughs> oh, and it was just so special and so fun we just really yeah. enjoyed like me telling her what I thought the picture said and then she telling me what she meant for it to say and then seeing how what we both said didn't really contradict each other like it was different sides of the same story mm-hmm. and one picture in particular how I saw it as a picture of someone embracing their misery and refusing to to accept hope and warmth and like home and hope is what the words I was using and she had painted as a picture of someone who was in despair and they just weren't able to like deal with the drama and the heat of life Mm -hmm. and it was basically like the same thing like both Mm -hmm. people had like curled into this dark hole and wasn't stepping out of it Mm -hmm. yeah and I saw it as a picture of hope and she painted as a picture of despair but it was the same picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the same wow. picture. But that was another thing that was really common that I, in a lot of the conversations, particularly at the banquet, mm-hmm. um, but talking about art yeah. and how we relate to it. I love art. That's There's so much that comes up out of each of the banquets because this is something that I talk about in relevance to myth and stories mm-hmm. and how myth is participatory story where you have a master narrative. Mm-hmm. That gives a framework and a pattern within which other people can create their own stories yes. that add on to it and extend it. Oh, yes. And Banquet and Ball is that. It has this master narrative mm-hmm. within which we all participate in our own stories. Mm-hmm. And they're different and they're unique every single time, but they add on to and augment and you know, mm-hmm. supplement and carry on, perpetuate yeah. that uh, master narrative, which is what makes it able to be passed on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it Annalise? Annalisa. Annalisa. Yes. She wrote a story that was beautiful. Yes. And that story was like, <coughs> this is a story that I could have written. Like, it was like mm-hmm. my type of story oh, that nice. I would write. And it just, 
I was beautiful. She should get that illustrated and published. That's exactly. how I was telling her. That's how I told her. As soon as Followers. she does it, I'm buying a copy. More, probably more than one copy of the honor. Yes. <laughs> so have you read The Velveteen Rabbit? Or heard oh, of The yes. Velveteen Rabbit? I may have heard of it, yes. So it was that, yes. but about Banquet and Ball. Oh, yes. About a girl being a yes. real princess. I have to read that. It yes, so and, and that. it was this scullery maid who goes to who dresses up and goes to the castle. So we're talking of, of the uh, Cinderella story, but in the Velveteen Rabbit kind of yes. concept. Yes, kind of like reverse Cinderella actually, because she, right. she dresses up and she goes, and then she starts befriending the prince, and then so she dances one dance with the prince, and then next mm-hmm. couple of weeks they dance more, and then but her godmother tells her when you're the, how you know you're a real princess is you don't need. The ball guy, and you don't need all this fanciness. Mm-hmm. You're just true who you are, and then people, you know, you're a princess. Yeah. yeah. And then I won't say what happens at the end, but it was oh beautiful. yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And then banquet and ball. I guess I had two more thoughts about that. Okay. Um, just really quick, like the banquet was lovely, mm-hmm. and I, I, for for me, it was like it was just like being real and coming alive, like just the whole time, and. The dinner we just enjoy like everything is like you could say what you felt like saying and people didn't laugh at you mm-hmm. and didn't yeah. think you were mm-hmm. stupid for saying whatever you were saying like you could say the craziest things yeah and take they, you they seriously were, and engage and with you and listen to you yeah yes and like you guys were conversing like I told you my crazy theory yes about uh I can't remember what it was oh yeah about uh about, oh, about how how boredom regret and regret and boredom. are exclusively guys' feelings and you guys did it seriously <laughs> and it made me happy yeah. And you like gave it a you gave it a good um, like think through. And then that mm-hmm. night we were all sitting at the table, and I usually make random silly comments, mm-hmm. and like you guys have made like thank you cards with our names on it. I was like, mm-hmm. oh look, they gave us thank you cards. Give them thank you notes on. We should all write them thank you notes. And this is just like a silly thing I mm-hmm. normally would say. Mm-hmm. And Jesse took it seriously. He's like, you want an ink pen? And that just made me happy. And I was like, yes. Like he just mm-hmm. made my my silly mm-hmm. idea feel like a good idea. I just yeah. I don't know. That made me happy. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I don't know. That was all. It's all the little things. All those all little those bits. little things. And then when we were going to banquet, someone ripped open their bodice, and I had a needle and a pocket knife, and we needed. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Like I had this little clutch, and there's a pocket knife, <laughs> and out it came. Yeah. Yep. It was just a little. It was so fun yeah. just having those things with me. Yeah. And then prepared. It was fun how they introduced us too. Mm. I can't yes. remember because they were saying Mrs. and Mrs. for everyone coming in, and sometimes I kind of like go against titles. I mean, I like the idea of it, but also mm. having a little bit of an Anabaptist background, mm-hmm. I sometimes don't go into it. So, I, I don't, I do not, I do not whisper like he told us to tell him what what he wants, how to, he want, we want ourselves to be announced. And I don't remember uh, saying, I mean, I did not say Miss or Mrs. And then I was thinking, I don't want him to say, call me Miss, whatever. And then I, I and then I was curious to hear if he were to say, to put that title on whether or not we put it in ourselves. And as soon as I went in, I forgot to like listen to what he said. And I still don't remember what he's like. I he don't did. know. He said it, I'm sure exactly how he, he said it. Exactly. Did yep. he say, Couture, did he say Miss Couture or did he say Couture no, Abigail Lamb? Couture. I think he said Couture Abigail Lamb. He yep. did. Yeah. Yeah. There okay. were, I, think, I think there was one other person i think who didn't have the title in front really okay yeah. i can't remember I was who just, it was i'm but... just kind of curious about that but then mm-hmm. i was like okay i want to see what he does if i don't and then i walked in and i forgot to hear what he and said he, and he did a really good job of mm-hmm. capturing the intonation <clears throat> and pronunciation of each name yeah. very yes. well yes he did. 
Dilemma is excellent at that. Yeah, it was very good. So I'm curious what your thoughts were on the walking down because yeah, yes. never having done that before. Like, what did you think? For the first experience of walking through the. Mm, it just felt <laughs> so. Um, how do you say it? It felt good. Like I, mm. I didn't go as slow as everybody else because I just, I just didn't. I wanted to just be like. I'm a very firm person, you know. <laughs> so I'm just like I wanted. I kind of wanted to do it that way. But, like, I'm very firm and shy at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I, I have a little bit of a shy side, even though I'm extroverted. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, I just wanted to kind of be that. Like, not too fast, but not too slow. Yeah. And I wanted to be barefoot, and I wanted to be, like, very wild and natural and also elegant. And that's kind of how I felt. I felt like I was very alive in those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt very validating. Like, that mm -hmm. word gets thrown around a lot, but I yeah. I think it's very important that women feel that way and that, like, I mean, I'm not feministic at all when I say this, but it's like that ball really does well with yeah, men and women honoring each other. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, it's truly that. the opposite of what feminism has come to mean yeah. in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. feel empowered when you walk away from feminism, just walk into your natural beauty. Right. And yeah. that ties in with Kate, your previous point about the ball gowns mm -hmm. in contrast to the men wearing the tuxedos mm -hmm. is what we're doing is we're giving a visual representation of the fact that the ladies have a different role in this ball than the mm -hmm. gentlemen. Mm -hmm. The gentlemen are there to lead. They're there to be the rock. They're there to be the solid, firm motion of this is where we're going. And the ladies are there to be expressive, to be free and to follow along and join in that and make what the gentlemen are doing beautiful. Yeah. Because otherwise it can turn guys... into a parade march, which yeah. is <laughs> cool, but not. <laughs> not as fun. Yeah. Yes. That's the feeling. Oh, and just, yes. Indeed. Right. The, the embracing of who God's created us to be. Yeah. The embracing yes. of femininity. The embracing of the masculine. Yeah. And just mm -hmm. the combining of those two and the doing it with other people. Yeah. In community. Right. And the fact that you were able to go through there and every other girl went through that exact same process. Mm -hmm. And they were doing it with you and they were doing it slightly different, but they were all together. Yeah. yeah. And all those gentlemen, we were slightly different. We had, we had like those little things that made us different in our outfits and the way we acted, the way we proceeded, the way we interacted with the ball mm -hmm. but we were all going all of us were moving towards the common goal and yeah. that was that's one of the best things about banquet mm -hmm. ball i yeah. think that actually really nicely summarizes and wraps up this episode yeah because mm -hmm. that sense of unity in the diversity yes in a moment of one experience but also in the transition across leadership mm -hmm. of all you know the different experiences of men and women of newer people uh the new guard translating to old guard. <laughs> the new old guard. The new old guard. <laughs> Mid guard. <laughs> That's a different thing. Uh, all these different experiences are very unique. Each of us brings something unique, very, very unique to the banquet and ball. But then we come away with something that is tailored for us because of that, but also with a strong community. I heard at least four separate times during the banquet and ball, not including myself, that they felt like coming home. Mm -hmm. Yes. Going there, this is family. Yes. This is home. 
And some of them are like, this is their first time being here. <laughs> because these are these are our people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's created that unity and that uh, synergy is so beautiful and so powerful and so needed in today's world. But it takes people living right. So yes. it's a practice. <laughs> yes. Very much so. In a deep and intense and purposeful way. Yeah. So thank you all for uh, joining us. Thank you. For uh, joining the conversation. Yes. And hey, I mean, we keep talking about getting people on the podcast to join our Discord server and talk to us on Facebook. And we got somebody actually on the episode from listening to it. <laughs> so that's super awesome. It's a great honor to be on here. It's, pleasure. It is, it is an honor and pleasure to have both of you here. So thank, thank you, Kate. Thank you, uh, Katura, for being here mm. and joining us and making the time uh, yes. to join us here. Of and we look forward to everybody else letting us know what you think. And so uh, when are y'all going to come to Banquet and Ball? We want to see you there. Please come. Please come. It will be the best time in your life. Amen. Sure. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all with intention and with purpose to glorify God. Amen. Amen. Amen.